This is That'll Preach, a weekly show on the Forks Midtown Podcast. I'm Brian. I'm joined by Paul, the Robin to my Batman. The Paul Wall. The Paul Wall to my Nelly. <laughs> <laughs> I hope, I don't know if anyone gets that reference. <laughs> Good times. Good times. But uh, we, we, we're back. We got some interesting content for you guys that we're going to be talking about. We're going to be starting a new uh, conversation S- series, series yeah. uh, on... The church. We're church. calling it, I don't know, what are we calling it? We even decide. Maybe what is church? How to church? How to church. Church 101. Something like that. You'll see it. By the time we post this, hopefully we have a title for this series. But it's <laughs> going to be about the church. And, uh, you know, COVID's happening. And it's forcing us to ask a lot of questions about, okay, what does it mean to be part of a church? Like, what are we missing when we're not gathered together physically? And hmm. how do we understand the place of the church in our lives? It's probably a good time to sit down and think about it a little bit. You know Why I mean? should I get up every Sunday morning? Why do early? it? Early. For coffee and donuts? We don't even- We don't have, <laughs> we, well. <laughs> I mean, we do, it's in the back hidden. You know what I mean? But it's, 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 a, it's an interesting question to think about. But, you know, we, we, we kind of want to ease into that. It's, that's really heavy to talk about. So, you know, I just wanted to start off with a little bit of a hot take I have that's completely unrelated to anything to do with the church. I'm it's, I'm so excited. I like watched you birth this. And so I'm like really anticipating. That's a weird way to put it. You watched me birth this. <laughs> I saw it being created. Yeah. I witnessed it. That doesn't make it sound any better. Yeah, okay, but, just go Okay, ahead. listen. All right. I'm about to I'm about to deliver this baby. <laughs> it's something I've actually said to a lot of people. And uh and they think I'm like kind of being tongue-in-cheek. I'm hundred percent serious. I think the Beatles are overrated. Oh, man. I think the Beatles are so overrated. In oh, fact, man. I, I don't understand why people like them. Completely honest. You've said this to me before, but now that you've said it again in this I'm context, saying it live it and I'm sticking to it. so I, much more painful. I've listened to their stuff, Yellow Submarine, and I want to hold your hand on this stuff. And I'm just like, look, I can appreciate. I can appreciate what they did for music, you know? But uh, I think their stuff's really boring. Maybe you just it. Maybe you just don't know what to look for. You know, what like does that mean? Wine experts, like they know like... Look, the, the tannins, the earthiness. The- this is another hot take I have. I think they're all making that up. Or people like with 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 paintings and stuff like that. I'm just like, no. It, it's, it's <laughs> You're not just really going to throw all of like it's just, if it's not If it's not immediately the- apparent that this is enjoyable, I, you know, then you're just searching. So you don't think like we you're should ever it. spend time or effort cultivating our palates to enjoy something? No. This is why you don't like beer or like. Nice also coffee. have an allergy. That's to true. That's, yeah. that's offensive. This might be just saying you more about my... you than the Beatles. Well, look, the, here's the thing with the Beatles. I just, it's, how even go, I, I don't like anything before the nineties music wise. Wow. Yeah. I just think that the production quality was low. I get it. It was different, you know, technology back then, but I don't care. It just doesn't sound as great. You are such a product of your generation. I don't care. Hate me. Just it doesn't matter. That was painful to me. That was a truly hot. Do you like the Beatles? I don't dislike them as much as you do. That's a very political answer. Yeah, I don't. I mean, I I, acknowledge. I think some of their stuff is corny. I don't think it's particularly that deep. It's just like really. I think it's more nostalgic for people. Maybe, but I also grant that maybe someone, if they're like, if they know exactly what to look for, they could appreciate it more than I. So I'm open what, to that possibility. What, what would you look for? I don't know, but like you, you, you see that like people are like they're these great songwriters. I'm like I don't know, I don't know, I don't buy it. I also think that like paintings are probably more worth appreciating than you do. But I just grant that I just don't have that skill. 
The same with like classical music. I wish I could. Now Beatles granted are probably not as good as classical music, but you get what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess. I don't know. I, I just I just maybe I'll just say I'll make a very modest hot take and just say, look, guys. And I think people I think sometimes people like liking the Beatles more than they like the Beatles. That's I think it makes wow. them seem like they're cultured, they really know music. And I'm like So it's just the Emperor's got no clothes. Yeah, exactly. Just everyone fooling Exactly. Mm. Exactly. That's that's my conspiracy theory, and I think I'm I think I'm right. What if we lose a bunch of subscribers now? So we're gonna go from four to two, <laughs> you know. But uh, are no. any of the Beatles? Paul McCartney's still alive, right? He's still alive. If you're listening, Paul, I mean, that you're overrated. No. <laughs> <laughs> it's like he was one of our four subscribers. He's like, oh, I'm not, I'm out of this. I'm not doing this anymore. That was a pretty good Paul McCartney. That was actually. I'm, yeah. I'm impressed. Yeah, there you go. There wow, that makes up for your terrible hot take. I don't know. So if yeah, look, if anyone's listening, you disagree. <laughs> if anyone's listening, <laughs> if anyone's listening, and you disagree, uh, you're wrong. But come find me. I don't know. You didn't. I mean, but you 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 don't really. I mean, no, I I don't like them. But I'm not going to go so far as to say that they are objectively overrated. Oh my god! I grant that people just might know more than That's I do. That's my in other this area. hot take. Objectively is a word that philosophers use to get out of everything. Uh, that's false. That's true. Is it objectively false? Ah, ha. it can only be false if it's objective. Oh my gosh. All right. This is good. <laughs> this is getting out of hand. Okay. So yeah, just a little something to get things stir, stir the pot a little bit. That was fun. But that has nothing to do with what we're going to talk about. What we're really going to talk about again is the church. And, and the church is not overrated. The church is not overrated. The church is not overrated. See, there's a connection there. There it is. I mean, but I feel like people, it, it almost seems like it, it it's acceptable today to just like go to church occasionally occasionally yeah you know like twice a month and uh or twice a year twice a Christmas year and Easter. Right. but yeah. even that, it, it's it's nobody really bats an eyelash about that hmm. you know and uh it, it kind of shows how i think in our culture we've sort of individualized our faith it's your 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 faith is about you and God and your Bible and your journal, and then the church is like a like your common interest meetup yeah. where you can go there and hang out with people who like the same thing you do. But that's really not the way we should view a church. Mm. And we tend to like we can see if if someone over if someone places a large emphasis on church going, we tend to picture them as like legalistic or overly traditional or catholic or whatever right because it's oh, just <laughs> that's like the worst the of those. C word like it's just jesus me and my bible right and like the holy spirit why do i need this why do i need this building why do i need this community both like now and historically right like what what's the point of all this like why can't i just do it myself and it's uh it's difficult to explain e even when we talk when we try to convince people to go to church or become a member of a church, we almost buy into that. We just list all the benefits of like, well, it's good that you have friends hmm. and you can uh, get dinner with families and don't you want hobbies and you can hang out with people and and and, and make a new community or something like that. It's all, you, you can have a support group if you go through a hard time. Now, these aren't necessarily bad, but when we try so hard to cater these aspects of church, you wonder if you're just feeding into that consumeristic mentality. We've got a great youth program for your kids. We've got a great yeah. kids ministry. And we do. We, we have both. And those are wonderful things. Not, not knocking that. But mm -hmm. I'm saying at the fundamental level, are we just becoming another organization 
delivering these certain goods to these consumers. I wonder if you even cheapen church by marketing those aspects of it. It's almost like someone telling you, you should marry this girl because like, don't you want game nights on Tuesdays where you can like bring her to the couple's night? Don't you want to like, and you're just <laughs> listing like, like, okay, that might be a perk if you're into like Settlers of Catan. Brian's really into Settlers of Catan. Uh, it's Christian like, Monopoly. It is Christian Monopoly. But you think like, if, if, how, if that's how you're marketing marriage, then you've done a really poor job at it. Like you've, you've missed the essence of it. And by choosing that to be your marketing point, you're just like, one, you, you just totally missed what's going on. You missed the fundamental. Well, you miss, I think the, the, the fundamental thing you miss when you just look at, uh, look at the, the church consumeristic ways, you miss the theology of the church. I mean, that's something that we have to retrieve, the idea that the church is God's idea, mm. right? That believers would gather together and to get to gather together in local assemblies. Yeah. Uh, no, we're not just talking about the invisible church globally, which is true, mm -hmm. but that <clears throat> physical entities, bodies of Christians yeah. gathered together, accountable to each other, serving one another in real time and space. That is God's idea. Jesus Christ instituted that so hmm. and it even goes all the way back to the old testament god had a people an assembly right and the the in the greek translation of the old testament whenever it refers to israel gathering it's called the ecclesia it's called the the, the gathering the assembly hmm. and the same word is used in the new testament the ecclesia the gathering so so the physical gathering of god's people together is god's idea hmm. And it's not something that Christians were like, well, you like Jesus, I like Jesus, <clears throat> we like talking about the Bible, why don't we just hang out on a Sunday morning and talk about the Bible together? Yeah. Now, there's something more. It's God's idea, it's theological, and the way that we think about it has to line up with the purposes and character of God and the ways that God has revealed how he wants to be worshipped in the scriptures. It's almost like you couldn't call yourself an Israelite in the Old Testament if there was no like Israel as a group. Like that right. just would have been bizarre. Like right. I'm an Israelite. There's a corporate like, identity. What does that mean? Like, yeah. no, I just like, you know, came up with this thing. I've got this weird relationship. But like in the same way, to be a Christian is to be part of the church. Right. Is to be literally part of the body of Christ. And that's what the church is. And you can't do that on your own. Like by definition, to be a Christian is to be incorporated in this corporate body that God is saving from, you know, the beginning of creation up until, you know, the second coming. That's crazy. Think about the Great Commission. Right, make disciples by going, teaching to obey, and by baptizing in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So baptism is central to the mission of the church. Mm. Why? Because baptism is the sign of entry into the church. Right. Right. This is the public declaration that you're one of us. You're 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 you are a brother or sister in Christ. And so one of the things that that shows you can't baptize yourself. You need somebody else to do it. Mm. Right. That's good. That that already tells you something about the nature of the Christian life, that your entry into Christianity, your entry into the people of God requires Other somebody else. God. It requires <laughs> someone else. Right. Yeah. You can't serve yourself the Lord's <laughs> Supper. So the sacraments are only understood in terms of community. Right. And yeah. community in a local physical sense. Hmm. Right. Yeah. That that's that's so central and so key. Absolutely. Um, so when we talk about the church, you know, we're, we're talking about again the assembly. The church is the body of believers that God has brought to Himself, has redeemed for Himself in Christ. Hmm. Right. 
And because the church is that, we have to we have to think theologically about this. Because it's God's idea, we have to think God's ideas. We, we, we have because it's God's ideas, we have to know exactly what he wants the church to be like. And it's not, not just pragmatism, yeah, right? Yeah. It's not just going, what is convenient for us? Hmm. What does God want his assembly to operate like, to value, to to grow into? Yeah. So I think you're right, like you pointed out at the start that there is this individualistic tendency. And I think like, I don't know, blame it on the West, blame it on whatever, but like there definitely is this deeply individualistic tendency, disposition that we have to see Christianity as it's me and God versus, you know, the way that people would have thought in the Old Testament with the covenant or in the new early church that God is saving a corporate entity and including me in that. Like we were talking about in the gospels, Jesus talks about salvation as he talks about Noah and the ark, right? So you've got this physical thing that God includes people in as the way to save them. So he's not saving like Noah's family just kind of individually on their own thing. He's creating a vessel. He's creating an entity, putting them inside that. And then that's the vehicle for their salvation. So the, the church is that like being baptized into the church means you're in Christ's body. And that's like the vehicle of salvation there. Like we are in, it sounds kind of abstract, but scripture talks about like that union with Christ. And that's through baptism incorporated into the body of Christ. That is the vehicle for our salvation. It right. makes it so much bigger than just, you know, you and yourself. Now, before the alarms go off, we're not saying that becoming a church member automatically saves right, you. Right, right, right. Or that baptism is magical and it makes you a Christian. Right. What we are saying, though, is that God works through corporate entities. Mm. In other words, he in the Old Testament, he works like it's Abraham's family. That's that's the place in which God's promises are kept. Right. And then Israel. Israel, yep. right? And now in the church, this is the sphere in which God works to to save sinners. Yeah. And uh and baptism is an entrance into that sphere, into that world. Okay? But it's not uh it's it's not magical. <clears throat> it doesn't change you, right? We're not we're not we're not we're not saying anything hokey or spooky. And actually, this is language that the Protestant reformers use. This yeah. is language that John Calvin uses. This is language that Luther uses with the church. So, we, you know, we're not getting, and these guys, <laughs> these guys aren't Catholic. These guys aren't Catholic sympathizers. If you, if you, if these guys are uh, protesters to the Catholic <laughs> church. So th this is all language used by Protestant traditions to describe the theology behind the church. Let right. me read that, that quote from Calvin. I was going to do it as sort of like a guessing game, but you gave it away. That's oh, okay. Sorry. <clears throat> Calvin says, uh, the church into whose bosom God is pleased to gather his sons, not only that they may be nourished by her help and ministry as long as they're infants and children, but also that they may be guided by her motherly care until they mature and reach the goal of faith. For those to whom God is father, the church is also mother. Ooh. Now that's that sounds that doesn't sound very Protestant, at least at the start, but it is. That's the point. Like we have this this bizarre view of the the church as as corporate is is like we almost demonize that um, as evangelicals. But you find this in the writings of the reformers. You find this in you know all throughout church history that the church is there to. I mean, like Calvin also talks about the Holy Spirit, the way the Holy Spirit convicts the world, teaches, does all these things that Jesus promises in John 14 is through the church. Like, it's not like the Holy Spirit is sprinkling magic conviction dust 
in like on the which you can buy for nineteen ninety nine if you call right now and sow your seed of fifty dollars. And it also cures you of COVID. Right there you go. <clears throat> oh man, but yeah, the Holy Spirit just doesn't like sprinkle conviction dust over unreached people groups. Right. Like it is, it's it's very physical. There are means that God ordains and the Holy Spirit works through the church, both historically and contemporaneously. That When you even think about that, the means, the the, the way that the ch- that God uses the church to accomplish his ends, you know, it, it, I, it's been said that the, the church is the school of Christ. Or even mm-hmm. when, you, when Calvin's saying the church is the mother, it's the nurturing, it's the, you know, you, th- you think about, Mothers with their children. I mean, they're 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 their lifeblood. They're yeah. they're the nurturing presence. They're the one that that's that's tied to them and 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 bringing them up and in security and raising them and hmm. in in a way that's 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 so. Um, they provide the space of nurture for a child to grow up healthily, hmm. right? And a father <clears throat> does too. But there's something very maternal about that. And uh, thinking about the church as a mother is powerful because it takes. It takes a church to raise a Christian. Right. You know, and, and I think there's a lot of talk of like, uh, you know, we don't want to just feed you, feed you, feed you. Mm-hmm. We want you to be able to feed yourself. Meaning mm-hmm. we want you to have disciplines of prayer and reading the Bible yourself and, and understand the Bible for yourself. There's a good aspect to that where you don't want to just be like, well, I just agree with everything and sure, you're not yeah, thinking yeah. critically. But there's also a negative aspect where we end up making everybody a little pope, which is <laughs> which is the the yeah. common critique against Protestants. Yeah. Where where, you know Substitute the Pope in Rome for the Pope in every home. Right. Where it's essentially saying, you know, don't listen to tradition. Listen to yourself. Right. <laughs> you know, just make it up on your own, you know, and, and, and that's not the case. You need the church is the school of Christ. And within that school, people can disagree on areas of doctrine, <clears throat> but this is the place, if you want to be a healthy Christian, you need to be in the place where God raises Christians. And that's in the context of a local church. There is no other place. Yeah. This is the normal way it happens. I mean, obviously there's exceptions everywhere, but don't don't live your life based on the exceptions. Sure, yeah, yeah. Right? This is the channel when God wants to raise Christians. When, when you're a new Christian and you're like, what's next? The next thing, be part of a local church. Hmm. That is where you will learn and be discipled to be a healthy Christian. If you want your kids to grow up and, and, and strong in the faith, right? Not saying it's gonna guarantee salvation, but if you wanna put them in, in the place where God surrounds people, I mean, you're, in your childhood, think about how much of your childhood and how much of who you are today is molded by the environment you were in, whether mm. it was nurturing or not, whether they taught you the right things or not, whether you had two parents or not, whatever. And we say that has a profound impact on how we end up. Well, why can't that be the same with the church, Mm. right? The kind of church you're in, the amount of involvement you have, isn't that going to mold your Christian life in an incredibly significant way? Well, and that involvement too extends to like providing opportunities to exercise gifts. So without, without the local body, you can't exercise preaching or teaching or, you know, other of these like, if God's given you a gift to be used in a specifically Christian context, like if you're just doing your own thing, then there's no opportunity to to cultivate that, to have it affirmed, or to even like, you didn't even know you had this gift until like, you know, other people started noticing about you. So Christian community does provide those opportunities, both for notice, noticing and recognizing your gifts, and then giving you opportunities to grow and cultivate those. Um, and that is part of your discipleship and growth as a Christian. Like you're sanctified in putting yourself out there and in, in using the gifts that God has given you in the ways that he expects them of you. And the gospels talk pretty harshly about people who are given gifts 
and don't use them, don't invest them in the right ways. So if God has given you something and you're not in a local body with opportunities to express or cultivate that, then that is like, that's tantamount to sin. So it, it is pretty serious on that front as well. Absolutely. I mean, the attitude when you go into church should be, you know, where, where can I serve? You know, are there needs here that I can meet? Hmm. Now, obviously, do I line up doctrinally? Is this a gospel preaching church? Is right. this a, you know, I mean, there's all those things. It's not to say that there aren't good preferences you need to have, but what's your attitude? Is your attitude with your church that you're a member of or that you're a part of, or are you refusing to be a member because something might be expected of you? I think that's, that's a temptation. It's like you're looking at this wrong, and if you're looking at that wrong, you might be looking at Christianity wrong Ooh. because that's the heart of it. And you, you look at how many times the apostle Paul appeals to different churches. He's like, this is how you are supposed to live with one another. Look at what Christ did. He gave himself for us. He became poor that we, we might become rich. Hmm. He, he gave him because one died for all, therefore all have died so that we might no longer live for ourselves, but live for Christ. And we live for Christ by loving God and loving our neighbor. And that's, idea is so tied to the example of Christ that if you view the church as a country club, you pay your dues, your tithe, that's your tithe, <laughs> you get access to different services, you get counseling, community, a good sermon, application points, emotional highs, whatever. <laughs> and then uh, and then you leave. And then every once in a while you're there and you'll see your buddy at the other table and you'll say hi to him. Hmm. But there's no actual serving sacrifice. There's no actual, I'm here because God has gifted me with things that people in this congregation need. That if I do not act in these giftings, they will be less off because of it. And there are people here who have gifts that I need and, and, and we need to be interlocked and connected with each other. And that's so practical. For that to happen, you have to be around each other. Hmm. Obviously, COVID's <clears throat> happening. I understand that. But I'm saying as a general principle. Yeah. I mean, even with COVID, there's, there's you know, circumstances that prevent physical gathering in, in many capacities. And I, I wonder, do we feel that loss? Do you feel a lament of like, I wish it could be different? Hmm. We should feel an emptiness about that. And then a, a great enthusiasm to get back together, to be like, now we can get back to operating <clears throat> as the church ought to. But if we only have an individualistic mind, maybe maybe live streaming becomes convenient. You mm. like this better because you're still getting all the goods. You're getting them, you know, you're getting the message to help you with your week and you, you know, all that stuff. And uh, and nothing's expected of you, right? And if we start to get comfortable with that, I think that's a very dangerous thing. We should be like, this is we're live streaming because we want to keep our family safe. There's nothing wrong with that. But man. We wish it wasn't this way right. and we it's wish we could ideal. get back. It's yeah. not the idea. Yeah. yeah, no, that, I mean, that all sounds great and it sounds abstract, but how are we going to like do this practically in the series, Brian? Like, what are we going to talk about? Well, I'm glad you asked, <laughs> Paul. We, uh, we, we really broke this down thinking <clears throat> about our, what are, what are some actual, when we talk about the church, if we don't want to just talk about it in terms of here are the, here are the, you know, you probably need friends or you need to you know, have people that can support you. And those are all true. But how do we get broader? How do we get theological? How do we think about what the church is supposed to do? What are the components of a church? What 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 goes into our understanding of the church? 
we have a couple topics coming down the pipeline. Smoke machine and Smoke potato machines. salad. That's it. Smoke <laughs> machines and potato salads. Those are actually two separate episodes, each an hour long. <laughs> it's going to be fantastic. Now, we're talking about <clears throat> evangelism, things like liturgy, hmm. right? How the, how the service is structured. And we're talking about preaching. We're talking about singing and creeds and tradition and the sacraments. And what does it mean when we say community? What does that word mean? Someone tell me what that means, <clears throat> right? <clears throat> is it just hanging out with your friends? Is it just... You know, having people to, uh, to have, uh, talk about your problems with, or what, what does that actually mean? Charity, Ooh, giving, yeah. right? Being generous. And then, we, then we're going to end it all <clears throat> with talking about where's the church headed? And I don't mean in the sense of like in the next 10 years, are we going to lose our religious rights or any of those things? <laughs> those, those, those are important issues. But really, in, at the end of the day, we're talking Revelation 21, 22, right? What is the church going to be when it's all said and done? And that vision of what the church is going to be shapes what the church should be today. Oh, if that's absolutely. our destination. Yep. Then, then okay, what does that mean for us today? Hmm. That's going to be a really key one. So it's going to be a great, uh, great series. You and can't know what a thing does until you know what the thing is for. There you that's go. what Aristotle said. And you can't know. What, what a I, four is, unless you know where the thing does. <laughs> I knew you were going to say something ridiculous. That, uh, that's also oh. Aristotle. I feel like every time I say something borderline brilliant, you just like totally undercut it. Oh, I just thought of a great <clears throat> band name. The Teenage Mutant Aristotles. Uh, oh, that's so good. Oh, that's so good. <laughs> it, uh, the Teenage Mutant Aristotles. Oh, Nobody better take that. That's oh, that's a great. Don't one. worry, no one's going to take that. It's oh, terrible. But anyway, we're, we're going to talk, and we're going to have a lot of great spicy hot takes, right? We're going to talk about. Oh yeah, it's going to be a weekly thing. Yeah, should we have house churches? Oh man. Oh man, is that a good thing? Is that a bad thing? What about <laughs> what's what do we mean by accountability? I almost said something super controversial. What's that's probably going to happen a lot in this series. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so this is going to be a, a great ride. Paul, are you excited? I am so excited. I might know my voice doesn't convey that, but on the you, inside, yeah. I'm a barrel of monkeys. That's interesting. What a horrible mental image. Yeah, yeah. it's a very interesting thing. Anyway, we're <laughs> excited for the series to start. Please subscribe to this podcast. Leave a review. That really helps us out. A good Leave review. A, fi a good five-star review, and uh, we will mail you a signed picture of Paul. Paul McCartney. Paul McCartney. No, don't it's actually just don't Paul don't subscribe, Paul. It's Paul Rizkal addresses Paul McCartney. Anyway, <laughs> now it's a great fall festival. There you go. Idea. There you go. There you go. Thank you guys for listening. We'll be back next week. <laughs>